Great to have you here. Thanks for being at the Roxy. Have you had a good summer here? Yeah, it's been fun to be here. We're going to carry that on to the end of December, as you know. So please pray as we make some transitions and tweaks and, and, uh, and settle in for the, the fall. I'm going to preach, then we're going to celebrate communion. We're going to do a couple interviews with some important people at the end, and then we'll, we'll close in prayer, at which time you're all invited to head over to the Rock Church Avenue G building, where we're uh, saying officially goodbye to Guy and Kara as they move to BC, and we do a fundraising lunch for Olivia as she begins to uh, prepare to leave for a YWAM missions trip, and so you can come be a part of that. If you registered, thank you very much, and if you didn't register, you're forgiven. And you're still welcome. We would want you to come. We, uh, I, I won't beg you to come, but we will strongly urge you to join us. There'll be lots of fun. We can cook hot dogs till the, the cows come home. Or maybe the cows won't come home if they're all in the hot dogs. But uh, you'll catch what I'm trying to say there. Heard a story. I don't normally tell a story quite like this or start with a joke, but we'll give it a shot today. Heard a story of about a... A gentleman, I don't know if you could call him a gentleman, he was harsh, he was rude, he was brash, and uh, he was rich. Um, so I guess one out of four ain't bad. But <laughs> he was determined, he was also very sick, which isn't cool, and he was determined to take his money with him. He wasn't prepared to leave it behind. So he had his wife withdraw all the money from his bank, all the money from his bank accounts in cash, fill it in suitcases, and put it in the attic. So that when he died, he could pick up his bags on the way to heaven and take his cash with him. So that was his plan. He, uh, he was sick. He passed away. People mourned and grieved. And one day his wife was in the process of doing some cleaning or, get, or doing what she needed to do in the house. And she went into the attic and came across the suitcases and said to herself, I knew I should have put them in the basement. It's horrible. Horrible story. Horrible story. Today's message is entitled, Take It or Leave It, and I couldn't think of a better way to get your attention than that story. The point being that you can try to take your finances and resources with you, and you will end up leaving it all behind. But if you leave it purposely on this earth in an open-handed way, you will actually be taking it with you because you're sending it ahead. There's only one way to take your money with you in the future, and it's to be generous and to give it away in the present. Jesus himself said, Matthew 6, 19, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermins do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. <clears throat> No one can serve two masters, in verse 24. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Financial generosity is a huge discipleship issue for the person who chooses Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. 
And if you're a new guest here at the Rock Church and you're saying, wow, look at that, first time here and they're already talking to me about money. Don't worry, you're not that special. Everybody's getting this message. And you're also not supposed to talk like that to new guests. You're much more valuable than that. But we, we know that Scripture talks a lot about finances, a lot about treasure, because why? Because the Bible, God needs your money? No, he owns and creates all wealth. And so why do we talk about it? Because our finances are representative and symbolic of so much energy and time and concern and planning and direction in our life that if God can actually be the Lord of not just our soul to take us to heaven, but if he can be Lord over our finances and resources and the way we view generosity here on earth now, he can do amazing things in your life because it means that you actually trust him with your whole life. You're actually giving him room to move in all aspects of your life if you are willing to let him touch your finances and deal with the idea of generosity. Today we're going to look at the book of Proverbs and what it says about generosity as well as some other scriptures to explore the road of generosity for our lives. And so the caveat today is that this is not a message leading up to a power offering at the end. You can just sit and relax. If you came to give today or you plan to give or you want to give as a result of this message, that's great. Go online. There's the offering box in the back. But the goal today is for all of us to simply reflect on and evaluate with the help of Holy Spirit the area of our generosity, particularly in the area of finances, not just our time, not just our energy, not just serving. Those are all important. Those are all part of the generous heart. But you will see in these scriptures that there's a real direction towards addressing hold cold hard cash the holy spirit is always working and speaking so i trust today that whether you view yourself as somebody who's generous or not generous or you would put your ask somebody if they would consider yourself generous or not generous that whatever the answer would be there would be something in this message for you today to disciple you and take you a further step in your walk with god are you with me Yeah, awesome. Thanks. And the other half, you're going to come along soon. (laughs) Proverbs 11, 24 to 26 say this. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. And so I'm going to read through three or four scriptures that talk about generosity, and then we're going to read through some about greed, and then I'm going to speak, um, give some practical advice about that, I hope. But I don't know if it can get much more practical than this. One person gives freely, yet they gain more. One person withholds their money unduly, but comes to poverty. It means if you have to fight for every cent and you're going to hang on to every dollar that you can and you're going to risk integrity and character and the choices you make just to hold on to as much wealth as possible, you will find it to be like hanging on to oil and it will slip through your hands and you will come to poverty. But the person who gives freely, who operates in good integrity and character with their generosity, as they give, it's in that kind of environment and situation that God can add more to it. So verse 25, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will themselves be refreshed. People curse the one who hoards grain, but they pray God's blessing on the one who is willing to sell. Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all your crops. 
Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. And all the farmers in the room go, yeah, maybe in the long haul in this kind of drought weather. Proverbs 19.17, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they have done. You want to give a donation straight into the hand of God? Bless somebody who is poor or a ministry who blesses the poor. Proverbs 22, verse 9. The generous with it will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. Again, sharing opens up the pathway that God can then infill with more blessing. Not giving to receive, but giving under his provision and being the good shepherd. It's not about we do that to get more. We do it because that's the heart of God. And when we step into the way the heart of God flows, it means he can flow back to us with his provision. Psalm 112, verse 5. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. You want to live a good life? Live a generous life. And remember, we go back to the beginning of June where I, we watched that video talking about Proverbs and that it's a book full of generalities and directions and there's always exceptions. One might take these and say and have a bad day and say, God, I am generous. Where are you? Well, let me tell you about one of those days in my life. A couple years ago, uh, the beginning of school, it was before the school zones were always 365 days a year. It was when it was like September to the end of June. And you had to really pay attention the first week of September because everybody was abuzz watching where you were going to be speeding. And so I paid particular attention on 20th Street at about Avenue L, just beside St. Mary's School, and I was going through there at the proper 30-kilometer speed limit when I saw some people I knew, and I went and I turned around and went back properly and saw them and saw they needed a ride and talked with them, got to pray with them, take them where. And then I went back and carried on through to where I was supposed to go, only that time I was so caught up in that conversation in my head, I did 50 through the 30 zone at which time the officer, friendly officers pulled me aside because they wanted to have coffee with me. No, they didn't. They just wanted to give me a note to take home to my wife and say, you sped and there's something to pay. And so I could sit back in those moments because I did and go, God, I was just helping somebody else. Couldn't you have tapped me on the shoulder or helped me remember that to slow down through the same zone that I was slowing down before? All these verses would say that the good come to those who are generous. How would I possibly consider that good? These are, there are exceptions to these rules and these are general principles moving forward. This is a generous church. You belong to a generous church. Are you part of the reason? Could you be accused of why we are a generous church? I hope, I hope you are and that you would consider doing that. But I, I see your heart towards people. I see your heart towards children and compassion for difficult situations as people come in and as you are in relationship with each other and your care for, for other people. I see your generosity flow regularly into the kingdom as, as, as finances to help provide for the Rock Church and what he is not just calling us to maintain, but to grow into, and that you have a vision recognizing that that will take more, not less, to see the kingdom of God expand. 
just as a point of testimony, we had the trifecta campaign. And if you don't know what that is, we started it in May where we would give over and above our regular offerings in order to help pay for this summertime Roxy experiment, to be able to help pay for camp, and to be able to give out into the countries across the world in three ways, uh, into uh, Pakistan for a, a crusade and to support the gospel work in the Ukraine and to support the work of the Voice of the Martyrs. We prayed to raise 100000 As we came to the end of June, we were in the 70000s and we kept it going because there was people who said they wanted to con- to give in the summer. And so today, towards that $100,000 goal, we are at $83,960. That's amazing. That is, yeah, that should get a... A praise clap. And so thank you for your generosity. Those funds will be distributed at the, that need to be distributed and go to other organizations at the end of the summer. And so if you haven't given to that or you want to or you can do more and want to help us get towards 100,000, you can do that. But, but you are a generous people. When I look at you and preach to you today about this, it's not from a point of wanting to whip you into shape. It's about further discipleship and, and wanting the Spirit of God and the Word of God to reflect on our lives. What about greediness? Greedy. Proverbs 28, verse 22. The stingy are eager to get rich and are unaware that poverty awaits them. If you are stingy because you're trying to get rich, poverty awaits you. It is not a healthy process for you to go through. It won't bring you to wealth. This one isn't on the screen. Proverbs 15, 27. The greedy bring ruin to their households, but the one who hates bribes will live. Proverbs 28, 25. The greedy stir up conflict, but those who trust in the Lord will prosper. Psalm 37, verse 21, the wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. Again, generalities that we might say, well, the wicked, they'll never prosper. They'll ne- they're not generous, so they'll never get anything. Here's a verse for you. I don't think it's on the screen either. Proverbs eleven sixteen: a kind-hearted woman gains honor, but ruthless men gain only wealth. That's a frustrating verse. A kind-hearted woman gains honor, but ruthless men gain only wealth. What does the scripture say to prefer? Honor over wealth, obviously. But it doesn't work with a formula that says anybody who does bad things will never have money in their pocket. What does greed look like? Greed is defined by the Oxford Dictionary as intense and selfish desire for something, especially wealth, power, or food. Have you ever seen the show American Greed? That show where they, it's like a documentary talking about a certain person or a certain organization that was so underhanded and evil and deceptive in order to just um, steal money from people and take money from people who are unaware. It's gross. It's narcissistic. Greed is ugly. Jesus says in Mark chapter 7, verse 20 and onward, he went on. What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. So check what's all in this list. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed. Everybody say greed. Malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. 
all these evil come from inside and defile a person. If you're somebody who tends to think that the sexual immorality or the number one priority grossest sins and a little gossip or making fun of somebody or arrogant attitude is way down here, Jesus talks about them in all kind of one lump sum and smack dab in the middle is greed in regards to how offensive it is to his heart. Look where it comes from. Sin resides, greed resides with a lot of those horrible, horrible things. It is a discipleship issue, the state of our heart, generosity versus greed. And so here's your main point today in regards to that. What fills your heart is what flows from your heart. What fills your heart is what flows from your heart. If you are greedy, if you are stingy, if you do not have generosity at the root of your heart, but you have greed, that is what flows out of you, into your world, around you, into your relationships, into your work environment. Greed in the heart can only flow out of you into the world around you. But if you are generous of heart, generosity will flow out into the world around you, whether finances, time, energy, resources, a heart of sharing and caring. What does greed look like for us today? It's probably not as as narcissistic and selfish and gross that any one of us in this room would get a documentary on American greed. But maybe, again, if they qualified how we lived versus the half of the population of the world that live under $2 US per day, according to the United Nations, maybe we all qualify to some degree. What does greed look like for us? First of all, just to debunk a myth... Rich people are not naturally or necessarily generous people. For those of you that have never had as much money as you wanted or you don't consider yourself rich and you just think that being rich would make you generous, I want you to know that's a lie. There's a lot of rich people that are extremely generous and there's a lot of poor people who are extremely generous and there's a lot of people in the middle that are just making ends meet that are extremely generous. But the state of your bank account does not dictate the state of your heart when it comes to generosity. And so that's why this is a discipleship issue because no matter the size of your bank account, your heart is what needs to be nurtured, not the number of zeros before the decimal. Because if you have a heart that's willing to be nurtured into generosity, that means God can open up the door for whatever he wants to do in and through you. What does greed look like for us in this day and age? Not, not paying our taxes? Inflation is going up. Sorry, God, I got to take it from somewhere. The government will take care of the situations. I don't have to give to nonprofits and to organizations. People just waste money. If I give to people that, or somebody on the street, they might just use it up in drugs or alcohol. I don't want to facilitate bad behavior with my money. That's a dangerous one. There's, there's proverbs that talk about um, there's proverbs that talk about getting wisdom. Proverbs eight verse five, not on the screen, but from the Holman Christian Standard Bible says, "Learn to be shrewd. You who are inexperienced, develop common sense. You who are foolish, do not take away from this service today that Pastor Dallas says that you should just go give away all your money in some sort of generosity, leave your bank account at zero so that you can't take care of yourself, you can't save for a rainy day, you can't take care of, of your responsibilities. That is not what this 
sermon is an exercise in today, but it is a call to be able to intentionally view your generosity. Because if you're a person who just says that I get so many phone calls and so many letters asking for money, but you never entertain any of them, the issue isn't how many organizations are asking for money. The issue is your heart and what you're intentionally considering. I've been that guy. Oh, you're asking for money. Thanks for the call. Oh, there's more mail, more, uh, Requests in the mail. You can't give to everything, most likely, but you can consider and pray for those different people who are asking or organizations, and then if God speaks to you about that or you consider it, then you can act on it. I'm preaching to the choir today because, preaching to myself, I should say, because I have not always been generous. I grew up in a generous home. I've wanted to be generous. I remember the first time I ever gave an offering in church. I sold my horse for 400 bucks. I put $40 tithe in the offering. I was just a little kid. It was pretty memorable, obviously, as I remember it to this day. But there's the time that I was walking down the street downtown, and I was just getting used to being a part of an inner city church and, and ministry and what to do, and I was being somewhat afraid and fearful and not knowing how to handle uh, those who were asking for money on the street. And uh, so instead of getting praying about it and getting compassionate, I got my gall up and got, got a stiff upper back and stiff lip. And I'm walking down the street and there's a guy I recognize from asking money and he's got his hat out and he's asking everybody on the way by. And I think I'm going to get him this time. And before he can ask me for money, I say, hey, do you have a dollar for a coffee? Just so ugly so arrogant, so entitled, trying to prove a point of a guy who's literally sitting on the sidewalk begging for money, a humbling and hard thing to do. And he reaches out, he reaches in his hat and offers me a loony. And I said, no, it's okay. And I walked away with my, I walked away with my head down, full of shame for being so ungrateful and so hard-hearted that I would look at somebody like that. Generosity has been a discipleship issue in my own life. That's why I can preach to it about it being it needing to be one in your life as well. Proverbs 17.5 speaks directly to the story I just told. Whoever mocks the poor shows contempt for their maker. Whoever gloats over disaster will not go unpunished. Guilty as charged. What fills your heart is what flows from your heart. This discipleship process is a journey. And um, you all know people who ooze generosity with time, energy, finances. There's, um, but it didn't na- come naturally to them. You can think of just watching kids grow up your own. When they learn, one of the first words they learn is what? Mine. 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 They don't learn yours, 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 and how to share. God wants to take the greed that is, comes with us from being born sinners and change us and transform us to be people of generosity. 
If you could imagine for me that the, the discipleship journey is like a road that you want to be on, that smooth pave, that you would not be at odds with your maker and he'd have a smooth ride in him dealing with the issues of your heart and generosity and you'd be generous and open-handed and it, it would feel like generosity is fun. You're on a road trip. You're going where you want to go and it's smooth paved road. If you can imagine that for the next few moments with me, getting into your car to go down the road of, of generosity, discipleship, we're going to examine a couple things. First of all, I would want you to know that it's also a myth to think that it's easy for other people but hard for you. That there's a rough road for everyone in this. And so you're in your car, you're going down the road of a discipleship journey and generosity. It first begins by choosing a direction. You're at an intersection. You're at a set of lights. You're at a crossroads. And it's almost as plain as day as left to right that actually you have to choose and determine in your heart on what type of person you will be. Will you be generous or will you be greedy? Because once you decide which direction you're going to go or stay going, that's what you will pursue and go after. There are certain outcomes for in the end, as Proverbs says, for the one who's greedy and for the one who is generous, there's certain outcomes for them, Proverbs says, clear as day. And so let's recognize, let's say you recognize that God is generous and he's calling you to be generous and you want to follow him and love him so you go the generous route. Again, it's not just, boom, I'm at my destination. It's now, okay, what does this journey like what is this journey like for my heart to be discipled in the things of generosity? Unfortunately, for well, maybe for some, but not for everybody, it's not like the day on June 1st, 2003, when the government of Saskatchewan put 110 kilometer an hour road markers on all double lane highways in Saskatchewan. That was a good day. Going 110 kilometers an hour without getting a ticket? It was like fun. It was sailing. This is how the highways were finally meant to be. But like all roads in Saskatchewan, it's not long till you come up to a construction sign or a construction zone. Or there should be a construction zone because the pothole is so big. Because discipleship is like a Christian being under construction to become like Jesus, there are lots of slowdowns and lots of signs that say rough road ahead as you allow him to disciple you in the, air, in the different areas of your life, including generosity. So I want you to imagine you're in your car, you've decided to go down the road of generosity and you see the sign rough road ahead. What are those discipleship issues? What can be bumpy for you? I'm going to say this quickly. First, there are just some discipleship issues that affect your flesh, that it's just a part of who you are. You're born a sinner. You've lived a sinner. You went, you grew up in a home, you lived in this world, and there's just some things that are naturally going to have to be tweaked and changed and transformed. One of that is, one of those things is your family of origin. In your journey to generosity, you'll have to look back and see how were you trained? What was the mindset towards generosity and giving to others? Were they just sorry losers who needed money and you got, everybody's got to fight for themselves? Or was it open-handed and we got to give because we've been so blessed and there's others who haven't been? What's the family of origin and what's your family patterns that are ingrained in you because you've lived them and caught them so easily by growing up in that environment? Being a follower of Christ now is to take those, surrender them to Jesus and where your family patterns don't line up with the scripture and word of God, that's where you have to renounce those, break those off and choose to go God's way. So it's a discipleship issue. 
Another discipleship issue is the area of debt. That debt holds so many people back. It holds me back. I got a mortgage from being as, as um, generous as I would want to be or hope to be someday. And so when we recognize that if we're living in debt and we're perpetually in debt, we have to learn new skills to be able to live differently, to be a bigger blessing to the world around us and to live in that kind of freedom. We might need to learn how to budget. We might need to learn how to save. And so there's debt issues that are a discipleship issue that, that also affect our ability to be generous. And so the goal of any of these things is not to cast shame or blame or that we're bad for this. This is just to recognize that, oh, okay, I can't just keep that part to the side and not surrender it to Jesus. That has to be discipled, and he wants to help me with that too because he purchased all of me with all my family bad patterns, with all my debt. He didn't just take me and say, okay, now clean up your stuff so that you can finally hang out with me. So what about the enemy? If our flesh is one thing. The enemy might want to take those things and turn them into strongholds. But, but just recognizing that greed is such a strong sin, how would the enemy also want to do it so that we recognize it's not just a surrendering issue of discipleship, but it's also a spiritual battle that we have to stand against the enemy and his desire to steal our joy and our life from following Jesus. Well, one of those things, it's a spiritual issue because it's a fear issue. Will I have enough? Can I trust the one who loves me? There can be such illogical fears. Fears about the future and retirement for a lot of people does not end once you hit a certain number in your bank account. There's certain people that if, if I had that number in their account, I'd burn all the money in my account. Because, but, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they don't have fears or concern because the enemy wants to use those areas to bring fear and to bring stronghold. And so you have to pray about that and you have to resist the enemy and recognize that if it's not, if it smells like hell, as we say sometimes, you know where it comes from. And so if he's your provider, but you're living in fear about the amount of provision, that's the work of the enemy in your life that you need to surrender, repent of, and turn away from. And then the other spiritual issue is simply that of lordship of he's your savior, but he also wants to be your Lord. So will you trust and obey and step out into freedom? What fills your heart is what flows from your heart. If we don't deal with this stuff, the potholes on the road will break off your spiritual wheels and you'll be stranded on the side. And this area will always be a thorn in your side and you'll never experience freedom. And it'll always be a horrendous challenge and no joy in the dealings of your finances. But if you allow these areas, this construction work to be done on your generosity road, you can begin to pick up speed and you can begin to have a smoother ride. So what does construction work look like to get to a paved road of generosity and off the rough, rough roads of all the junk that we can have with us? Think traffic lights. First, the red light. You need to stop, learn, understand. Understand the state of God's heart. Understand where blessings come from. I won't take time to read it. But uh, if you look at King David, he, he stored up so much wealth and then he modeled giving wealth to God for the temple to be built. And then the people began to give. And he was able to announce to all the people and declare to all the people 
that all this wealth comes from God to begin with. The one verse says in verse 14, 1 Chronicles 29, but who am I, who are my people, that we should be able to give as generously as this, Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. It comes from God to begin with, so when we're generous, we're just releasing and giving back to him. We have to learn and understand and dig into God's word and learn about God's heart for the poor, for finances, for how he wants the kingdom to expand, because that is an important piece around our generosity. The yellow light or the yield light You literally have to acknowledge that you don't have the right of way when it comes to your finances. Or more directly put, that you don't have the right way in regards to your finances if they aren't driven and directed by generosity. Jesus sees the state of your heart. And so in that acknowledgement, you can surrender to him and repent of the times where you've been stingy, been greedy, haven't been able to or want to entertain the idea of generosity. And you surrender that to him. So you stop and you ask and you learn and then you yield to him and you surrender and you repent and ask for his forgiveness. And then the green light is to go and do as Jesus taught, be generous and give. To put it into practice, Luke chapter 6, verse 37 to 38. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give And it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Folks, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If your treasure is in regards to hoarding it for yourself, your heart also fills with that greed. But if your treasure is to bless God, bless his people, and bless yourself by being generous, your heart will flow in generosity as well. What will you do today? Maybe it is something in regards to the offering. Maybe it is being generous to your neighbors. Maybe it is filling some gift cards so that when people ask for money and you're concerned about giving cash, you can give a $5 Tim or McDonald's card to the people that are asking. I invite you to ask Jesus, and maybe he's already been dealing with you on types of things like this, and you already know what to do, and it's to step into that. I challenge, what's my challenge for you? To do something out of the normal that would stretch your generosity so that you can put it into practice and see where God meets you. Maybe he'll meet you with a traffic ticket in response to your extra generosity. And he wants to humble you in that. Maybe all of a sudden God will provide or give an answer to a solution or something like you never thought could come from it. And maybe you've just blessed somebody and the blessing is in that alone.